Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna kick off. Yeah. Um, first of all, like giving thanks to everyone that is joining us, and so today we have the pleasure of introducing Marvin, whose trajectory I like very much. We have known each other for almost like three years now. Yeah, three years. Yeah, three years. So Marvin started at Yahoo, where he grew and and then founded that startups were his thing. He entered into 500 startups, what is the largest uh, or most active fund in the world, uh, sitting on the investment committee. And we are very proud to be part of the same family, knowing how hard it is to, to get here. Um, 500 startups is like 500 companies that have been into 500 startups are considered the top 1% globally speaking. Uh, there are companies like um, TalkDesk, Talk Intercom, right? Intercom, uh, Shippo, uh, ManyChat, RapidAPI. Um, yeah, lots. I mean, um, um, besides uh, TalkDesk, Aircall, um, all lot of them B2B. <laughs> that seems like we've been doing very, very well on the B2B side. Yeah. So for those who stay until the end, Marvin will be available to answer any of your questions. So use the chat, use the chat here to, to start asking now. And if you're liking the video podcast, just feel free to, to invite people and share the, share the link and give Marvin here a, a thumbs up. Or thumbs down. Uh, feedback is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> so Marv, before getting into ad, into ad tech, um, which do you think is the most clever investment in the moment regarding the economic background involved? Um, I, I mean, this is something clearly I thought about, right? So maybe I should give some, some context, right, to sort of my answer. Um, and so, as you know, I was a partner 500 about six years and investing close to 414 companies in accelerator and seed fund. So I left end of last year sort of doing the, the talk circuit as well as um, just like angel investing. And um, I've spent since the, the pandemic happened, you know, it's been five months now. We're on, on June 2nd. I've had a lot of time to think about. It. So I've been talking to a lot of investors, talking a lot of like LP friends, just talking to a lot of people um, and just talking to a lot of founders. And one of the things that, like, that has really, really popped up to me, right? Like there's some that are like super, super obvious. Um, and so areas that, for example, um, anything in sort of like helping remote work, right? So for example, um, like Notion or Slack or Zoom, um, you know, like I, even, even core, right? Like, you know, I know you don't like to talk about core, but like core is actually like really, really enables a lot of remote work, right? The automation of a lot of things that used to be able to just tap someone in the shoulder. And now it's just like, you're all stretched all over working from home, generally speaking. Um, that's very, very obvious. Um, tele telemedicine, telehealth related things have just, that business has just like gone vertical. Um, anything that's sort of like e-commerce related has also done very, very well. Um, so those have been the very, very obvious ones. I, I would say stuff that is like not obvious, um, like supply chain software, like supply chain management software, because now you're starting to see a lot of these supply chains shift back from China, being moved back to sort of like home countries, starting to see that shift happening. You're seeing biotech was interesting before. It's even more interesting now. Um, and I would say there's sort of like the two areas I think are relevant for this conversation um, that I think are, are, are important and interesting are, um, for example, media, 
I think like media, you're seeing a really, really big renaissance um, happening in sort of like the media space, the digital media space. Um, and I would say as of sort of, you can either say as part of media or separate to media, like the gaming space, um, the gaming is coming together. And I, I think there's huge, huge impacts and potential sort of like impact for the ads business as well too. And so that, those are some things I've really, really seen changing. Um, and I'll, I'll reason I use gaming and as an example is if you think about gaming, like prior, at least in the Western world, prior to sort of like the pandemic, gaming was seen as this very negative thing. Like, oh, you're wasting your time playing games. And parents were like, ah, oh, games are like really, really crap. That's changed. Like, I think if you see a lot of the rise of a lot of like, you know, Roblox or like Fortnite and other, other sources like this, that is really people's views have changed because, oh, like even a lot of parents are playing gaming and things now. So it's, it's changed a lot. And, and there, that, that, has, that has repercussions for advertisers as well to marketers. Right. And Mark, so tell us a little bit more about how do you think technology could kind of accelerate growth and optimize costs, uh, mostly in the advertising and creative industry? I, we all know that advertising is an industry that you know very well. You have been, how many of your years? Like, you've been. Yeah, it's been, I mean, not including my. I would say between Yahoo and my board stuff, as well as like the two years at a e-commerce startup, like that's at least like 14, 15 years. And, and I'm still, I guess I'm still part of it. So I've, I've been there for a while. <laughs> yeah. So people are trying to in this, in, mid, in, in the middle of this pandemia and this crisis and recession, like how, like where to optimize and where to like, how can they use technology to accelerate growth. So any recommendations on that time? Yeah, boy, this is, yeah, this, I, I have a lot of thoughts here, right? So I, I think what, what comes to mind for a lot of folks right now is really, at least in this, in the pandemic, and I think we're in a great recession right now, which will be a great recession. I think a big focus is going to be on cost cutting, right? And sort of like cost management. Um, I think anything sort of like innovation, like becomes less important, like it was, like it's, it's still important, becomes less important. I think everything's now about sort of like cost management and cost containment, right? And so for example, what you guys are doing, very, very interesting. That's one of the reasons I invested in, in sort of you guys back in three years ago. Um, and so, but this is not a conversation about core. I also think that any, anything that sort of like that, so, so this is whether people like it or not, that the dirty secret technology ultimately is like, and I've heard this saying, it's like technology sort of like eats people. And so a lot of technology now, like you're going to see a very, very, very big push in regards to automation. So things that weren't necessarily sort of like easily done were done by people when times are good, you're like, okay, whatever, keep things as is, you know, like we we've seen sort of like the digitization of like processes of almost, almost all processes, like just really, really escaped. I've talked to a lot of corporate folks and they're like, holy crap, like this thing that took us like five years to sort of like kind of talk about and not sort of half-ass do we've been forced to do really in like a two or three month period. And it seems to be working now. And I think you're going to see a very, very big push for that because unfortunately in a recession, what happens is, People like what are the two biggest costs, right? It's like real estate for companies, it's real estate and people. And so anything that you can actually automate is going to be, you know, sort of like whether that's in factories, right? Using robotics or sort of warehouses using robotics to, you know, sort of like in this, in our situation, like using AI or at least software to sort of make it easier. Um, and so I mentioned to you sort of like, you guys know I'm a, on the board of a company called Autocado. 
Um, and so if you look at sort of where most of the technology has been in sort of like the ad technology and sort of like marketing space, it's always been sort of in the targeting, in the data space. Um, and, and that's sort of where, where sort of a lot of innovation, a lot of money has actually gone into. And, and that's fine. And I, I, but my sense is that we've kind of tapped out in the area. What's the next biggest area from a, you know, from an advertising perspective or marketing perspective that people are spending a lot of time and energy on is actually marketing. And so for example, like the, on the Autocado, I can't tell you the numbers, but like their business is doing very, very well these days because now as, as people are looking at what, what are the other areas that we can actually drive more efficiencies and sort of reduce costs, like people throw a lot of, bodies and a lot of money actually at sort of like optimizing there's you, you know sort of the targeting part is i'm not going to say perfectly optimized but pretty optimized and now it's sort of like okay we're spending a lot of time on the creative side of the fence we're still very very people driven where it's like why are we not using software to do this a little bit better right like how do you optimize sort of the the creative sort of like aspects or through templates or even just like automating sort of like what you're showing, um, you know, showing advertise, you know, how advertisers are showing to their, their clients based on who they are and how do you do that in a way that sort of doesn't kind of takes people out of it. Um, and so that's sort of one of the reasons sort of I'm super, super excited about like Avocado, just like, like, or, or the creative optimization space, right? Like not talking the book, but like areas like that, I think there's, there's a very, very interesting area of optimization. And I think you're going to see a lot more innovation in, in sort of like in that sector overall. Right. Um, very related to, to, to this thing is how do you see that the tech is changing advertising in terms of do you think or which things are going to be replaced by technology and which I mean, things? I mean, you're seeing, you know, I, I think the, the example I use is sort of like uh, the overly used examples, so I apologize for that, but just like, you know, go, right? Like, you know, um, like AlphaGo, like I think you're going to see, so, so I'll give you an example. I, I, I was, I've been thinking a lot about this. And so I'm halfway through a book called Burn, Burnin. It's a, it's a science, you know, near science fiction book, a little bit dystopian, but it talks about sort of like how sort of like automation and AI starts to infiltrate a lot of whether there's police work, may not be a bad thing considering what we see right now. Um, you know, like take a look at like, in, you know, sort of like in law and how that's going to affect things that used to be sort of like much more sort of like, oh, machines will never do this, right? Hedge funds, right? Like hedge funds, you see what's sort of the biggest growing area in hedge funds is actually the quant side. And that's pretty much all software, right? That software and sort of some sort of, I would say a form of augmented intelligence or sort of like AI. And that hasn't really penetrated the marketing space yet. But I, I think you're gonna see particularly during, you know, sort of these recessionary times, you know, one, one of the things that people have to keep in mind and this is relevant for every white collar industry is that when you take a look at particularly in the U.S. during recessionary times, you see adoption of like new technology actually skyrocket, right? Because the technology is eating people, whether we like it or not, right? In the short run, it's, it's a negative thing. In the long run, it's a good thing. But like right now, you're going to see a lot of companies are going to be like, well, hey, we should trial this technology where before like things were good. You don't rock the boat. It's a little bit different now where it's like, wow, I have all this huge cost structure let's go and test it out, right? And if it works, they're gone. And so I, I think, you know, unfortunately you are going to see deep, deep acceleration, at least from a job market perspective, you see deep, deep acceleration of adoption. I think whether an ad agency, a marketing organization, um, I, I think you're going to see a lot more adoption of this technology. And, and a lot of this technology is going to be embedded into sort of a lot of the CRM systems. Like you're going to slow, see a very, very slow or maybe even a fast infiltration of this, at least what I, I, I see. 
Does that does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally makes sense. <clears throat> and how are you seeing the the impact of COVID nineteen on on the space? I mean, like for example, companies' forecasts, valuations, new racings. Yeah, it's brutal, right? Like it's it's sort of like I. I kind of say it's like a tale of two cities. So, you know, even, even my portfolio, right? 400 companies, like there's probably about 15% doing very, very well, right? Like COVID, they're like what they call like um, COVID beneficiaries, right? So their business is like this. Um, and so, you know, e-commerce related, um, anything that's sort of like in the automation sort of like space, anything that's sort of like the workplace, you know, telehealth, et cetera. And then you probably have another like 10, 20% are in really, really big trouble, right? Like, automotive space, like that's, you know, like that's in trouble. Um, travel space is in trouble. Um, anything that's focusing on like the SMB, like local sort of like SMB business, the restaurant business, quick serve, like just really, really challenging. I think everybody's sort of in between, right? Where it's just like, ah, still unclear. Um, and so it, it has huge, you know, it, it definitely has, has had a huge effect on the portfolio and companies. Valuations are coming down. I would say more so in the later stage and early stage, less so. But like in the numbers I'm hearing in general, like 30 to 40% sort of like, so like valuation decrease um, because it has been published. And so if it wasn't pan the pandemic, something else would have triggered that of sort of like this sort of flight for quality and sort of like back to fundamentals. Um, and so I, I think you had a two part question. What was this, the second part of the question about sort of- oh, I meant like- forecasts like on sales yeah yeah and so so i would say most companies i would say 80 to 85 percent of companies are are seeing massive sort of de declines in in forecasts right for for 2020 um and i think you're going to see i i'm not it doesn't make me happy to say this but i think the q2 numbers are going to look really really awful um and unfortunately i also think that and we saw this in 2008 and we saw this in 2001. I also think the impact of sort of digital media. So whether players like Facebook or Google or other players, I think they're going to take a massive hit because it's easy to turn off your budget on digital. It's a little bit harder to turn off budget for say TV or print where you've sort of made certain commitments already. Um, but I'm still bullish. I can give you my, my perspective and view on that if that's helpful. <laughs> but it's clear. <laughs> But yeah, but having said that, right, like, so, so right now in digital, like you look at, I think Google and Facebook and very commonly known probably take about 70 to $80, right. For every single sort of like digital sort of like for every digital dollar comes in, like they take 70 to 80 cents. Um, and so what's going to happen is they are going to take a hit, right. Because of spending, it's easy to cut your budget from Google and Facebook. And you've seen the, you know, you've actually seen the rates have actually are, are, have been very, very low, right. It's slowly going back up again, because I, I think sort of things are sort of like, everything's opening up again now, but the, the rates went down were really, really cheap for the last like two months. Um, I don't know if you've seen. Um, and so I think that that's a reflection of actually their overall business and overall demand. And so I, I think they're going to take a disproportionate hit, but my, my sneaking suspicion is that what's going to happen is digital will still continue to grow. And so when times get better, like hopefully one or two years, three years from now, when times get better, they're going to come back and actually probably take more market share, right? Digital will take more market share versus, um, offline. It's a first to sort of cut and get cut, but it's actually the first thing to come back. Um, and you can look at the data that says that. And, and for better or for worse, I, I have no strong opinions either way. I think Google and, you know, Google and Facebook will end up coming back and probably taking more market share along with Amazon. Their ads business is going very fast. I think DC players will end up taking more market share and probably end up taking like 90% market share. Um, that, that's my guess. Yeah. On a previous podcast, uh, like I think it was like a month ago, 
we were discussing if <clears throat> this recession this recession uh, will be like overcome or it will end on a on a v on an l or on a u effect yeah. right what's your thought about that um I don't think it's a V and I, I really hope it's a V, but I don't think it's a V just looking at the data. Um, and so, you know, somebody told me this and, and it's, it's, it's actually a pithy saying is like economies are like cars, right? Like they stop like a car, but they actually start like a, you know, start again, like a train. And so it just, it takes a while to sort of like get everything sort of like up and running again. Um, and so I think it's going to be, a, you know, like the, the good news is I don't think it's going to be like a Great Depression because, you know, if you look at the data back then, like there was no monetary policy, you know, granted the monetary policy you have right now, like there is actually is a monetary policy. They're, they're taking a lot of action. You could argue maybe too much action. So this might cause more problems down the road. But I think that is going to be helpful. Um, but I, I worry about the unemployment like that is frightening to me. So like we've had record levels of unemployment. That's a little bit scary. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's going to only going to continue because you're going to see a lot of companies adopting sort of technology. So I think it's, I guess it's probably going to be something like a U, but my, my hope for a turnaround is probably like in 2022 is, is seems like with everything that's going on and a lot of the restructuring that's happening, that's sort of my take, but obviously I hope I'm wrong in it sooner. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mark, something that might be interesting for both agencies and startups um, who are listening to us, what percentage of an investment that a startup receives would you suggest should go to advertising? So I, I would say it depends, right? So obviously it depends on the stage that they're in and what they're doing. But I, I would say like, if, 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 if somebody, if, if I looked at one of my companies or budgets, like 25, 30%, I'm like, okay, like that's fair, right? As long as you're like sort of measuring and tracking, getting results or whatever. But like, if it's anything sort of like above that, like 50%, 75%, I'd be like, what are you doing? But also bear in mind that I'm in, in very, very early stage. Right. And so, so anything more than that, like anything more than 25% would make me question, but I would say it's probably 25% because you, you know, like, advertising does work if you know what you're doing. Like I'm a very big proponent of advertising overall, assuming you know who your customer is, you know where they hang out and, and you are, you have a process of growth and you're systematically sort of like managing things properly, then yeah, probably about 25%. That, that's my take. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I made this question because probably there are a lot of agencies here asking themselves, Hey, Marvin is probably one of the people that knows the most about this thing and what's his suggestion on how much a star a tech company should invest in an agency that probably are their clients right yeah and and so like like i said and a lot of it's going to be very depend like you know is obviously going to depend on the space and the sector that they're in how much money they've raised um, you know, is the product actually working? Um, because like we've seen, like we have seen this and we're seeing this now of a lot of companies who've raised quite a lot of money, but the product wasn't working as well. And they're spending 50, 70% of the money on marketing, but yet your product doesn't work. So you're sending all these people. And I learned this at, you know, my first startup in, in the Libras part of Yahoo, even at Yahoo, we saw this with clients and even ourselves where you, their product's not totally baked. It's not like as good as it probably could be. You market it, they come, your product sucks. They never come back again. So you've just lost them. Um, and so you don't want to do that. So it's, I think there's a balance. Yeah, yeah, nice. And that seems very basic, but it's something I see over and over again. 
Great. Um, more, so <clears throat> before getting to the next question, so for those who, who are here and that stay until the end, Marvin will be av available to answer any of your questions. So we will, we will put and assign our the last 20 minutes of this conversation into answering questions. So please feel free, feel free to, to use the chat and start asking questions. And also uh, go ahead and put a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah, or uh, thumbs down. Or, yeah. So if you're liking or, or not the content. Um, so more, I heard a lot of people asking myself, so if, if, I, if I get this question asked, I can't imagine how often you get this question. Sure. Is <clears throat> regarding 500 startups, right? On my understanding, normally like 2,500 people apply per batch to 500. Sure. And just 1% of, of those companies get accepted, right? It's like a 25, yeah. 25 yeah, startups. Yeah, 25 to 35 companies range, at least when I was there, right? Things have changed since I've left. So I don't know, I don't have any visibility on what's going on, but that was what. It was at least when I was running in 2014 to end of last year. Yeah, yeah. So six years. Yeah, yeah six years. So, it, um, so uh, an accelerator, and so probably the the most active accelerator and and fund in the world for startups. The question here is: I heard you uh, talking about missionaries. The the question is. Uh, what are the key things and the key factors that you look for a team or for a company before investing? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, obviously I care a lot. Like, you know, there's, everyone talks about like, you hear this all the time, right? And you have some investors like, the market's most important thing and other people like, no, the team's most important thing. And I, I'm kind of, you know, my view is like, they're both kind of important, right? So like has to be a potentially large market or like a real problem that they're actually solving. So a real market, large market potentially that makes it interesting for an XVC like me. Um, or, and, and the second part that's actually matters is because over time, as that market sort of becomes bigger, it gets more competition. You also want to be betting on the right team. And so the team piece is actually important, right? So this, this term, which I think you hear a lot about is like missionaries versus mercenaries. And, and that's, you know, and I've been in San Francisco now 21 years. Um, and so I've kind of been through these. And, and if I'm very, very honest, when I came here to San Francisco in 99, like I was one of those, like mercenary people right like i'm here to get rich and blah and that didn't quite work out but just sort of like with a different mindset um and what i found with people who, who stay in the startup world who do who do very very well in the startup world right like who are generally sort of like very very successful and happy um tend to be people who are like more mission oriented right so what i look for in a team is is somebody you know like balanced team so somebody strong on the business side somebody strong on the the sort of like the technical side who can actually build and even preferably somebody who's good in the design side but so put that aside but even the mentality and mindset of just like are they going to be working on this thing and willing to work on this business for the next nine to 12 years at least it just takes a long time to go build a big business and what you find for people who tend to be more mercenaries so if they come in and go my plan is to go build this business. I'm going to sell it in two years from now. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. I just haven't seen that be successful, right? Because like, how much do you actually end up building in two years? Sometimes that happens and that's the outlier, right? Like, like just in 
Sometimes that happens, but that's very, very rare. And so for me, I'm looking for someone who wants to be working on this business for the next like 10 years, like, and they do it regardless they raise money or not. So like mission oriented, where it's like really care a lot about this industry. I care a lot about this problem. I care a lot about just like building a real business. And so I look for that. that that's pretty important. Um, and it's not to say like if some offer, somebody came and offered a billion dollars, like not to take that, that, that's stupid too. Like, but I do think like the likelihood of that happening only happens when you you have people who are like very mission oriented and willing to sort of work at building a big, big business, right? Because think about a two-year timeline versus a 10-year timeline, very different. Two-year timeline, you take a lot of shortcuts, right? Like your end goal is to sell. You take a lot of shortcuts in your business versus like, I'm going to be building this for 10 years. So how you think about hiring, you're a lot more deliberative, the processes you put in place, the type of customers you go after. So you're just a lot more long-term. Um, and so that, that's sort of what I look for. Long-winded answer, but that's sort of what I look for. Nice, nice. That's a great point of view. Yeah, and I think that people here in the Valley may like get very confused on that, right? So I, and I think I definitely started to cut you off, but like, and that, that happened, I think that only happened last couple of years because there was so much money. And so that attracts a very different type of founder that tends to be much more mercenary, but they're all leaving now. Like it's all gone, right? In recession, all that disappears. And so arguably the best companies came out in 2008, 2009, you know, like even back when I was here, like 2002, 2003, 2004, like really interesting companies came about during that time. And I'm very convinced that everyone has written off Silicon Valley and, and, and like, I started cutting off, but like, I think like everyone's like, are you going to leave San Francisco? I'm like, no, like now it's like the, actually the best time to be in San Francisco now, because like all the people never really cared about building real stuff. Like they're all going to leave this year, next year. Cause it's expensive and it's not in the nicest city, um, especially downtown area, but like, there's a lot of parts are good, but I think the people who like are real mission oriented, building real things, like those people will stay and, and you're going to see a renaissance. And so I'm, I'm very excited personally for the next, like, I'm scared for the next two or three years. I'm also very, very excited for the next two or three years from a tech ecosystem. I think you're going to see really interesting companies come out during this time, like right. really interesting companies. And Marv, as a, as a personal thing, now that you left 500, um, are you going to start focusing also in investing or is it ad tech? For people that want to may get in touch with you after this conversation, are you going to be focused on in the app tech or? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at everything, right? So I think continue B2B SaaS stuff, like I, even gaming. So like, it's, it's ironic. Like I tend to think a little bit different where everyone's looking at B2B and I've, I've had some success there. So I feel like I have some pull and network and things there. So I'll continue looking at that area. Um, I, I look at ad tech and MarTech sort of as part of the larger sort of like B2B SaaS landscape. So if I see something that's interesting and, and what's ironic, um, a good friend of mine just raised this company called Truthset. So what they do is like they help you help marketers understand, you know, the data that they're looking, you know, sort of the data they're valuing. Like, is it actually like good data and valid data? They just raised a, like a $4 million seed round. Um, and so it's probably more MarTech sort of like ad tech, but like there are interesting things happening now. Like there hasn't been, a lot for me at least there hasn't been like that many like super interesting companies in in ad tech but i, I think what i'm seeing that's kind of cool right now so one company started by a friend of mine and i missed that deal because we in between fundraising and didn't have the cash um was like pebble post right so what they do is they they bring programmatic advertising towards sort of like um offline mail right like sort of like you know like the, um, yeah. the direct mail 
And like, I think like you're going to see stuff like that for, um, you know, like for example, like there's been like two or three companies that recently have like raised for, um, you know, those billboards, you know, like those signs. So bringing that sort of like digital, you know, sort of like marketing to that. And so I think you're going to start seeing a lot of the offline world sort of become more ad techie. That's interesting. Like where I'm like, Oh, like there, there hasn't been any innovation happening in that area. And that, that actually still is a very, very large market. So I, I, I'm starting to like, it's going to be one of the things I, I look at, but like, yes, finally, I feel like there's starting to be some innovation happening again after like a five or six or seven year drought. Yeah. Is there anything like very like particular or crazy that you have been seeing on the digital advertising market in the last months or years? Not really. Um, like, like I said, it's still, this has only really happened, I think in the last like six to seven months. But I, I wonder like, and my guess is that I, I anticipate some level of acceleration, especially start seeing a lot more of like the gaming platforms becoming much more prominent. So you're going to start seeing much more gaming focused advertising. That's interesting, right? Like that may even become the new social network and advertising will be one of the business models there. And so uh, nothing really yet, but I actually think a lot of the really big breakthrough innovative things are going to start showing up in the next like six to nine months. That's just my guess, right? Especially as a lot of people are losing their jobs, whether like, and this is not, I'm not happy about this, but in the long run, this might be actually be a good thing of just like when there's layoffs and people get fired from the publishers, like, you know, when there's layoffs at a Google or Facebook or engineers leaving, or for example, ad agencies and stuff happening in the marketing world. Like, and that unfortunately is going to happen. You know, they, they leave for a bit, they sort of take a little bit of time off to decompress, but then they start thinking about stuff and like, well, wait a minute, like this is actually a real big problem. Like I'm going to go work on this. Like, I think a lot of those companies are going to start showing up in the next, like I said, six to nine months. And so um, that's exciting, right? Like it's, it comes from pain. And so I don't like to see people lose their jobs, but I do think at least from a startup perspective, that's actually where a lot of startups come from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on, on the previous crisis in 2008, I think that Airbnb was um, started that year, right? Yeah, it's around 2007, 2008, like Airbnb, um, Dropbox, um, Uber, like there were a lot of, there were a lot of interesting companies that started around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Cardo was around that credit karma, I think was starting around that time too. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of very interesting companies that have come up. Yeah. Um, Marvin, any suggestions on how to serve this pandemia, both for agencies, for tech companies, any any suggestion any anything that you have been understanding with all the context you have well i mean the the reality and i think folks are are honest as well too where i think a lot of times it just sort of like this is an opportunity to go and rethink how you do all your business, right? Um, because like, I think in the past, you, you know, sort of, especially in an ad agency, you've been able to get a lot of like cheap labor and throw people at, at problems when the reality is it's probably sort of like almost like looking at the business from like ground one, right? So it's like, what are the things that you can actually like optimize and what are the things you can sort of like automate or, or even sort of like outsource and sort of like really focus on sort of like the core thing that you're really, really good at. Um, and so it's, it's always shocking to me, sort of like, and this isn't just agencies, these are businesses, like most businesses in general, end up trying to do too many different things. And so this is, is the way I think about it. this is potentially, the way I choose to look at it is like, this is an opportunity to go and really, really focus on like, okay, what are you really, really good at? And let's go and take a look at all these different things. Let's take a look at our customer base and make sure sort of like, was there sort of like good fit? 
Let's go and take a look at our staffing. Let's go and take a look at our processes. I actually think is look at processes first before staffing um, is priorities and then processes and then sort of like staffing based on, on that stuff and to allow you to sort of like, you know, and I'm not talking about like firing people, but it's more like how you move people to sort of like work on things that might actually be higher value or move them towards sort of like, why are they working on sort of like ad optimization when there's starting to be a lot of new technologies where like technology, like use this technology to augment them. So instead of them spending eight or 12 hours on it, like spend like two hours on it, right? And not sort of like have this person burned out watching ads and doing stuff that is not necessarily fun. I, I think this is an opportunity if they choose to take it this way, I think this is an opportunity to sort of like look at the business in a different way and, and completely change it. Um, because I think that one of the reasons, if you take a look at a lot of the up and coming like direct to consumer companies, right? Like um, there's like Hubble and other players like that. Um, there is a reason a lot of them have like agencies will still have a place, but they're getting a smaller piece of sort of like the marketing budgets and things, partly because a lot of these, a lot of these firms, I think specialization is helpful. I think trying to do too many things makes you sort of like less useful for them and focusing on a very specific sort of customer segment is actually way more important. And, and so I'm going back to the case of the direct to consumer companies. A lot of them have actually pulled a lot of marketing in house. Right. And I think there's a reason for it because I think it's just easier to communicate. I also think that, Hey, it's just cheaper for me to go manage this myself. And I think that's a signal that just like, okay, our agencies actually adding the value they should be, or are they just sort of taking the scraps that are left over from this? And so I think there's, it's an opportunity to go and relook at your business model and relook at sort of like everything and how you do business. And, and this is relevant for all companies. Yeah. Amar, you, we have been talking about um, investing in tech. What about the M&A space? How do you see the M&A space after this pandemia? Well, I mean, the thing is just like there are, you know, the 10 to 15% of companies that either the business is doing very, very well, or they raise a lot of money, or just like, they're just seeing a lot of cash. Like this isn't like, if you are sitting on a lot of cash, it's an unbelievable time to be like buying companies, right? Because valuations have gone down dramatically. You can pick up a lot of things like in, in almost every single industry. Um, I, I do question sort of like if your goal is to sell during this time as a startup, as an agency, I, I think it's going to be, you're not going to get the price that you want, right? Because like, this is a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market versus I think like six months ago, it was probably a seller's market. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah. It, it's and, a tough time to, to be yeah, selling. Yeah. And coming back to the point, it's also a, a nice, a nice moment to, to, to see who is a missionary and who's a mercenary, right? Yeah. And, and also, yeah. And, and really also just to sort of like go and, really really so even for myself right like i spent the last couple of weeks just like taking personal coaching and personal development course like like this is the the thing you have to understand with the pandemic is that a lot of the markets completely changed right like three months ago three four months ago there were you know like a lot of companies and I use i'll use that term the startup term like product market fit right like a lot of companies are product market fit post pandemic you know like post pandemic recession now it's sort of like the, the urban riots, at least in a bunch of cities, like just like the mindset has just changed, right? So the market's completely shifted. So if you had thought your product market fit now, you most likely probably do not have product market fit. And because of that, you need to be rethinking how your entire, whether yourself as a human being and person and sort of like commercial person, right? Like your own business model, but your business's business model or just like, your customers might not, you might not be suited to sort of serve and your customers are changing, right? The consumer behaviors change. 
the enterprise buying behavior has changed like, or is going to change very, very quick over the next two or three quarters. And so everything's changed. And so you have to sort of like be wary of just like understand what's not going to change and understand what is going to change. But like, this is, I think this is the biggest change that at least has happened in my 24, 25 years sort of like career. Like this is the biggest shift ever I've seen, like really significant shift. We're seeing also a lot of like the supply chains fragment, right? Like a lot of the companies now realizing like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea that we have, we've just outsourced pretty much all manufacturing to China, right? Like maybe we should move it to more friendly climes like Mexico or Canada or wherever, right? Like, or, or like Vietnam, you know, whatever, you know, depending on the country or whatever. Um, so you're seeing a shift of breakdown of globalization of just like, I think we see a lot of industries and things actually move their supply chain back home. And so all these shifts, all of a sudden your customers are changing, right? So if you're serving a lot of CPG, they're realizing like, oh, wow, like we maybe need to meet, like there's just, there's a lot of things that are happening right now in your customers' worlds, right? And so that is going to have effect on your business. So understanding that soon, you know, sooner you understand that, it is also a good time for you to understand what's happening on the customer side, but also understand how you change your business model to better serve them or to find a new customer base. Does that? Yeah, yeah totally makes sense. Yeah. So we are 40 minutes. And so if there is someone here that has a question, so please feel free to, to post it here in the chat. And if not, we're gonna thank Marv and thank everyone here for, for the time and for, for the flexibility to join, to join us. And we're gonna also record, we, this is recorded. So we're gonna post it also on YouTube or we're gonna send it to, to, podcast, to iTunes, podcast and and spotify <laughs>